Bloke and the Bird Show. This week, we are on the final approach, the final countdown to spa. You the did lights not just are, do that, did the you? The lights are coming on back on at the factories. The trucks are heading out to Belgium. And I believe that the Max Verstappen's Dutch fans have already been there for about 18 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite sure that if the fans of Ger- in Germany are any indication of the fans in Belgium, they've been partying for at least a week. They probably have. But there's going to be more of them from what it sounds like, since Germany's been struggling still. Yes. But the tent campers are loyal, dedicated fans. Well, I think you kind of have to be if you're going to tent camp at a racetrack for a weekend or more. Well, we watched a a metric ton of them tent camp at Mid-Ohio, and the woods that they were camping in in Germany looked a whole lot nicer than the flat, open, hot field. It depends on the campground. Mid-Ohio. Depends on the campground. Because you were you looking over at the open field tent camping area by the keyhole turn. Right. That's where the tents go, But right? there was a whole other area that was cam- – and there may have been more RVs over there. But there was a whole other area just past the S's on the other side of the track from where we mm-hmm. were sitting that there was camping going on as well. Right. Now, that was a wooded area, though. That was a wooded area and looked a lot shadier from just the fact that there were trees. But I thought the majority of the tent campers were in the giant open field at the keyhole. It may be. I don't know. I don't know what the rules and regs are. But there's also another wooded area by the carousel that's got campgrounds, too. I don't know if I'd really call that wooded so much. It it, it was It's not wooded like the other part. I mean, there's fewer trees over there. It's more like those trees are outside the, pr- the limits of the track property and the campers come and then the, line, the property line, then the trees, as opposed to where I'm talking about where the campers are in the trees. Oh, I understand what you're talking about, but you're thinking of one part of the carousel. I'm thinking across the outside ring road on the uh, other side um, behind the stadiums, the, behind the seating. So now if, if there's anybody left who has not been completely... <laughs> Going, why why are you still talking about camping? You don't camp, and nobody's in mid-Ohio, so who cares? Well, there's two things that are important about this conversation. Over to Formula One. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, fine. (coughs) Okay, so back to Formula One. And and this was a lingering question I had, uh, just because it's the kind of person I am. (coughs) But it was a lingering question that I had with the... um, relegation of Rio Harianto to reserve driver status. And that was related to his sponsor, Pertamina, which was on the tail of the car. Okay. What was going to happen with that? Were they going to stay with the team? Or are we still going to be a, per- you know, is it going to be like Sahara Force India that Sahara is still on there, even though they don't exist anymore? You know, how is that going to work? Well, word came out this week that uh, Sahara's, res- or not Sahara, that Pertamina's response to Manor for relegating Rio was to basically flip him off and say, the hell with you, we're leaving. Well, you kind of had to expect it. But if they really wanted to have Rio stay as a driver, you know how you make that happen at Manor, right? Uh Uh-huh. So since they weren't willing to kick in the bucks, what do you expect? Yeah, as a Pertamina spokesman told the Jakarta Post, the Manor racing team has offered to let us continue advertising on its cars, 
However, we have decided to discontinue the advertising. But it also goes back to not just Pertamina, your comments, but also the Indonesian government, which was also kicking money in, who a spokesman for the government called Harianto's relegation disappointing. Again, what the heck did you expect if you weren't going to carry come through with all the money he needed? I mean, this is basic, oh, math. Contracts, math. Simple. To put his bottom in a seat, you needed X number of dollars. You came up with X divided by two. Mm-hmm. Therefore, his bottom comes out of the seat. Yeah. I don't know what everybody's surprised by. That's there hardly news There was a contract. You signed the contract. Well, yes, but somebody believes that contracts don't really aren't really worth much. Bernie. Um, anyway. Well, yeah. Anyway, moving forward. Well, Dave Ryan, the head of Manor, yes. he has also come out this week. And, and I don't necessarily think his comments were unrealistic. But he has said that it is a realistic goal for this team at this point to be a permanent staple of the mid-pack in two to three years' time. Nice. I think it's a really realistic goal. He, he said that, you know, right now, just the fact that the team is not yet a frequent challenger for Q2 on Saturdays is a big disappointment. And he wants to get the team to focus on that so that they are consistently at a point where they are, if not making it out of Q Q1, very, very close and making it tight to get out of Q1. Well, that every, would, I mean, week. to do that, that moves them up almost six places on the grid. Yeah. And that's huge for somebody that's literally, for most of the years that we have watched Formula One, they have been 20th and 21st across the board. Yeah. So I think that's a big deal. And th- with the Mercedes engine, they should definitely have that ability. It's a matter of getting the engineering and design work done, and, and they've certainly made some progress there. Well, they do have more points than Sauber. Well, that's the next thing. Do you, do you like how I just teed that up for you? Yes, <laughs> that, that, that was very good. Felipe Nasser came out this week, and he said that beating Manor this year is not critical for Sauber. Oh. Which, okay, maybe, possibly... From a driver's perspective, he might be correct. But I'm guessing that Monisha and anybody who's aware of what the money is like in F1, they might think a little differently. Because as it stands right now, with Manor beating Sauber, that means that Sauber gets no prize money next year. Zero. Zero. Nothing. Well, that's true. As a side note... Just because I can. Mm-hmm. Do you know that today, as we record, Felipe Nasser is celebrating something? Not being fired? His 24th birthday. Oh, well, okay. That's probably both of those. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Williams has wished him a happy birthday. Yeah, I thought that was kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah. I'm wondering if he was in their development program. He may have been. So, yeah, Nazar says that with the the cash that has come in, that really the team is focusing on 2017. They've got one upgrade package that they plan on bringing to the car in um, Spa. And they've said in terms of the fact that, you know, they 
really don't have much in the way of downforce. Monza is a good chance for them to maybe be able to overtake the Manners. But, yeah, it's it's really not all that important. At which point I, I, I'm saying um, you're missing some important stuff here. Yeah. I think, th- I think that their maths does not match my maths. Now, Felipe also came out and said that, you know, now that the new owners have come in, now that Longbow Financial has come in and, and have taken over the team and money is starting to flow again, the team is more attractive to him for 2017. Now, let's also remember that his other driver, well, not his other driver, but his, um, his teammate, mm-hmm. the other driver over at Sauber, um, happens to have some close connections to Longbow. Possibly they're underwriting a good uh, piece of his career. <laughs> so maybe, you know, Marcus Erickson's seat is a little bit more secure than Felipe's at this point, especially when you turn around and say, yeah, I'm not so sure about this until the finances are settled. And then once the finances are settled going, yeah, we don't care about the, the team that's beating us. I know. <laughs> Now, he does say that he is looking at at some opportunities for 2017. He won't say anything much more than that. He says he considers Sauber a very attractive option, but we're still open to other things as well, which means if somebody else will come along and get me out of this team in a death spiral, I'll gladly take it. (laughs) I wonder what happens if Manor offers him a seat. (laughs) (laughs) Well, back to Manor. This is a degree of duh moment here. Okay. So um, Renault came out and said that, uh, and I believe it was Frederick Vasseur over at Renault, um, the managing director over there, said that now that we have Esteban Ocon in a seat over in Manor and he is driving in Formula One, we are going to spit, oh, I'm sorry, it was Cyril Abitbull who said this. We are going to evaluate his performance and make a decision on his future because now we can well compare him against the other rising star in Formula One, Pascal Verline. Duh. No, we just thought we were going to put him in a seat and then, yeah, what happens, happens. <laughs> really? We'll, we'll watch them take each other out. Oh, wait, that's in the other Mercedes team. <laughs> <laughs> but... Now Frederick Visser's words over at Renault because we're hoping to get a decision on their driver soon. You know, Jolien Palmer, and it now appears that even Kevin Magnussen is not necessarily secure in their future at Renault, which, you know, in a way, I don't really think you can judge their performance based on the Renault this year. I mean, it, it, it's really kind of hard to make a determination as to whether or not they're successful. The car is a dog. And Renault admits the car this year is a dog. We knew going in that this was nothing but compromises, and the hopes were maybe a couple of 10th place finishes. Maybe they'd be ticking along at the bottom of the top 10, and that was about it. Mm-hmm. So, how do you really go and make that determination as to whether or not either of these two drivers belong here? If the, you know, you're giving a. Here's a lawn tractor. Go take it out and win an F1 race. I mean, <laughs> what are you going to do? Well, maybe it doesn't get determined on performance, but it gets determined on feedback. Maybe. How, how well can you tell me what's wrong with my lawn tractor so that we could possibly make it up to, oh, I don't know, a Civic? 
put in a bigger engine. Thank you. But they are the works team for Renault. They yeah. have the best Renault engine that's available, and Red Bull can obviously get it around the track at a reasonable pace because Red Bull's now sitting in second for constructors. Well, so but, but Red Bull has a car that was de- fully designed, designed for this engine. I I question that. Okay. And I'm I'm not trying to be oh stupid. Given how late it took for them to finally hammer out their differences. I mean, they went to marriage counseling for six months last year. They did. Were they truly designing for this engine, or did they just luck into the fact that they got the same shape and size engine that they had the year before because they still stuck with a Renault engine? I mean, if they I, had I think had the, to... the underlying structure and layout of the engine in terms of the, the pieces that impact aer- aerodynamics of the car were relatively unchanged going from 2015 into 2016. I, so they had the basic stuff to work with, as opposed to Renault, which had a car that was designed to accommodate the Mercedes engine, which is structurally very different because of the turbo layout, well, if nothing else. And that's my point. Had Red Bull's deal that they had hoped for with Mercedes or Ferrari worked out, they would be really on the back foot considering a timing yeah. for how long it took them to figure out what the heck they were doing. They basically lucked into the fact that they were able to continue this Renault deal. Yeah, Well, they were. And Renault has had to redesign a car to fit a new engine that wasn't designed for the engine that they've got. But that being said, if this deal had happened when Red Bull had wanted it, if Mercedes or Ferrari had come out around Silverstone last year and signed the deal, that would have changed. That would have given them plenty of time. Because remember, they were working that at least as far back as, as Silverstone, if not even earlier than that. And. Oh. The letters started flying around Silverstone that we heard regarding engine supply. And, of course, realized that we are on a delay because they Mm -hmm. super secret, double secret promotion stuff. But just kind of thinking that whole thing through, and keep in mind, it's not like the Lotus team last year had any money to do anything. Yeah. So, I mean, going forward. Anyway, back to... Back to Renault. How you pick your drivers. You have to work on your feedback. I mean, how do they fit within the team would be a, a, a measure. How do they fit within the team, w- within the, the PR pieces? And, I mean, there is some overall performance stuff that you can see even in a dog car. Mm-hmm. But Frederick Vasseur has come out and said that what they are looking for for 2017, what they want in a driver, is they want um, – a Michael Schumacher-esque leader. Because everybody wants a Michael Schumacher in their team. I thought he was an ass. Yes and no. One of the things that Schumacher, and, and, and this is what, what they're targeting, one of the things that Schumacher is very well known for was when he went to Ferrari. Ferrari was floundering, and it, it was not, well, it was very similar to, to Ferrari today. It was underperforming. It was not doing well. It went through a a string of really crummy seasons. And Michael walked in, and he embedded himself with the team. He became very close with the engineers. 
the feedback was there. He, he became an integral part of the team and the success and the feedback and everything that they needed to develop a winning car. And there's a lot of people that, that say, including, oh, um, oh, and I just drew a blank from he was at Mercedes and retired and doesn't want to come back. Ross Braun. Thank you. Ross Braun. <laughs> totally. Like, all of a sudden, I'm like, I can of picture. All of the directors can, that are at Mercedes are you trying to grasp for? I'm like, I can picture the face and I can't get the name. There's the glasses. It's That's Ross Braun. He, wow. That is the psychic link. <laughs> that you and I have. Right there, people. You've now, now witnessed it. But. Yes, Ross Braun had a lot to do with their success as well, but there's a lot of folks that say that Schumacher was the last piece of that puzzle, and having him walk in and and be willing to stay with that team to develop it, and it was a long-term thing. I mean, they were in, in some pretty bad shape, and it was a long-term effort to bring them up to speed. And in many respects, that's what a lot of drivers are hoping for in their own right at this point with it. that that was the, the talk of why Lewis went to Mercedes when he did and everybody thought he was nuts was to have that Schumacher moment of to be the driver that come came in and unites the team and drives them into great success and Vettel going back to Ferrari now as well that same thing the German coming in and uniting that, to, and, and we certainly saw that last year, the way he, you know, he started learning Italian and speaking to the team in Italian and, and embracing all that it is to be a Ferrari driver. You don't agree? No, I agree. I'm just trying to sort through how many Schumachers can we have on the field at any given time. I agree. There's a bit of ridiculousness to this. Well, we want another. Well, I want another Schumacher. And I'm Spartacus. I mean, <laughs> yeah, and I'm Spartacus and I'm Spartacus. Um, and then I have to marry this with the fact that can we just be really honest for a second? Kevin Magnuson has been dealt some of the crappiest hands in Formula One any mm -hmm. kid could have possibly been dealt. Yeah. I mean, one year at McLaren. One year what, at McLaren. One year at Renault. It wasn't just one year at McLaren. So he's released from McLaren. He's the reserve driver. They keep him hanging long enough because he was looking to get a ride in IndyCar and was about to get the ride in IndyCar, and they left him hanging, so he had to turn that down. Mm -hmm. So that left him with no ride at all last year. And then on his birthday, he gets the email from the team going, yeah, hey, thanks, but no thanks. We're done. Yeah. It's, yeah, it, he is the Susan Lucci of Formula One right now. But he's got a podium. I know, but she's got an Emmy finally. Not just does he have a podium, but I believe he has the only podium that McLaren has had in the turbo hybrid era. That doesn't surprise me. He probably has more points than Alonso has in the uh, turbo hybrid era. Yeah. Anyway, so, next next story. You know, this week seems to be a lot of duh moments. Duh. Gene Haas came out this week and said that, you know, maybe this whole starting a, a, an F1 team from scratch wasn't a great idea. Oh, my. He just did the, the math on that? I mean, 
He's done really well. Uh, Grosjean came out this past week and said that he would have rated the first half of the season an 8 out of 10. I thought that was pretty good for well, starting from scratch. From from starting from scratch, the, the truth is the team, and, and even he admits it, the team has done absolutely fantastic. And far above him, I mean, by what, race three, they had exceeded their goals for the entire season in terms of, yep. of location. They, they really did far exceed anything anybody expected but gene came out and said that you know bernie even bernie came up to him and, and and said why don't you just buy an existing team and he says this was actually a better idea because there were only 10 teams at the time because remember now with 11 teams somebody doesn't get prize money so his guarantee no matter how they did even if he bought manor in their distressed state and, and, and built them up because there were only 10 teams on the grid, he would have guaranteed the prize money. Because, oh, let's not forget, because he is a brand new team, even though he's in the top 10, he's not getting prize money. For three years. Not only is he not getting prize money, but as since he is not technically a column A team, he also has to pay for the freight and the airline tickets because that's wrapped into the column A team's benefits and perks. They're paying their own way completely and totally. Oh, my word. Yeah. And they stay as a column B team until they hit their three-year mark? That's my understanding. Ah, oh, Not only is, is it— ridiculous. Is, is it, as a, until they hit the three-year mark, but they have to stay— as a column B team, without getting all of those other benefits, they have to still stay financially viable. Mm. And we've seen teams not make it past the third year. Now, granted, those teams didn't make win any points. He's at least got some points, but... Now, uh, in addition to rating the season an 8 out of 10, Roman Grosjean also came out and said that he was willing to consider another year at Haas. Um, as long as he could keep his Ferrari hopes li alive, and he's yeah. literally—he's not even—he's not even couching it. He is literally only at Haas to get to have a seat at Ferrari. Well, it buys him staying another year at Haas, especially with the team performing the way it has been. If it continues to move at that level, it it still gives him a chance to to perform and to show that he is a good driver. He is a quality driver while also giving him a year to see what happens, not just at Ferrari, but also at Renault. Mm -hmm. Because now we have, with the rules changing, and with Renault having the ability to build a car for that engine, he has a true chance to see what kind of promise Renault has for 2018. So now he's got a direct, he can go in two directions. He could possibly go to Ferrari if Kimi actually leaves, you know, if he actually decides to get out of the way, or... If Renault has finally started to produce and, and bring forward a team that shows promise, he can now be a Frenchman driving at a French team. And you know he wants that. No, he wants the little red car. Well, that too. So, while we're still talking about Haas, one of the other challenges that Haas has, being a new team mm -hmm. with you know trying to build everything, they have no reputation. So, especially, again, when you look at that history, the number of these new teams that have either struggled or died after three years, 
how do you recruit top experienced Formula One talent? Bag? You really don't even get that. The other thing that Gene is saying is that the team has not yet shown enough in terms of stability, in terms of quality, quality, in terms of maturity to attract any of the top Formula One talent on the engineering side, not even necessarily the driver side, but on the engineering side to come over to them. I'm thinking about that as being quite the catch-22. Yeah. You can't get talent unless you have proven results. You can't have proven results unless you get talent. I mean, that's like you can't get a job until you have a job. I mean, that's that's the vicious cycle that you've got there. Um, What you could hope for, and I realize this is as rare as hen's teeth, but what you could hope for is some unknown up-and-comer that is um, a diamond in the rough, somebody that isn't isn't at the top of their game yet but has the potential you'd be looking for potential at this point to be able to get the results the consistent growth the the drive going on in order to eventually try to attract top talent well i think some of it also and 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 gene has a little bit more of an advantage i think than most of these other teams because he does as much as it is a very different type of racing he does have an engineering talent pool that he can tap off of from Stuart Haas racing over in NASCAR. Mm-hmm. There, there, aerodynamics is a concern over there. There are folks over there who understand aerodynamics. And as much as, yes, they're designing a car for a very different environment and a different style of racing and that works completely differently than a Formula One car, there is some good talent there and some good knowledge there that can be leveraged into this environment. But they've got to get ramped up and they've got to learn about all the differences. But I think he's got that at least, where Manor doesn't necessarily have that. Well, and I think that that's going to be the other thing that could attract some level of talent, maybe not top talent, but some level of talent, is that he's going to have more street cred than you starting an F1 team. Mm -hmm. You starting an F1 team... Well, other than the fact that we would argue about the finances, um, you know, you're not going to have any street cred to get anybody. You're going to have to go yeah. get the soapbox derby guy because that's the best you can do. Yeah, but, you know, looking at some of those soapbox derby cars, some of them kind of know what they're doing. Well, they, <laughs> I mean, that might be your arrow guy. You'll have the soapbox derby guy for your arrow guy, but you're still going to have to find an engine guy. And the problem is the soapboxes don't work with engines. True. True. But you know. But given our budget's a hundred bucks, I mean there you go. <laughs> and, and and some pocket lint. So the other question over at Haas is drivers. And again, we know Roman is open to remaining another year, and I don't see any reason why Haas wouldn't keep him around for a year if he wants to stay. He's definitely producing for them. Um, I think it's a good idea to keep him around. But the other question is Esteban Gutierrez, is what happens with his, with his future? Now, Esteban's a bit frustrated with how, with how his year has gone. And at this point, he is saying, and I think this is an interesting statement coming from a Formula One driver in general, but right now he says, 2017 is completely irrelevant until I score some points. Interesting. Yeah. He also apologized to his team. Now, what did he apologize for? 
Well, apparently he's had more technical issues than his teammate Grosjean has. And yeah. he might not have handled that situation as maturely as one would hope. Oh, did he did he throw his toys out of the pram? Uh, possibly. Mm. Well, he picked up his baked Alaska and threw it in the trash can. <laughs> and then stormed off away from the baking tent. Okay, the problem you have there is that was a reference <laughs> from 2014. <laughs> and somebody, somebody obscurely got it. Maybe. Probably the baking tent clued him in a little bit. But anyway. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Obscure references for the win, Alex. <laughs> yeah. So, speaking of drivers who have been relegated. 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 Daniel Kvyat has, um, he, he's talking to the press a little. Mm-hmm. He, he's he's come out of his cave. I don't know if he's come out of his funk yet, but he's come out of the cave and he has said that, you know, after he got demoted to uh, Toro Rosso, he, he stopped enjoying F1. He didn't. He stopped enjoying driving. He stopped enjoying being in the car and everything around it. Can I say duh? <laughs> it it, it, it might have showed, Daniel. Um, he apparently still thinks that he can retain a seat at Toro Rosso. Well, some of what's feeding that, though, mm-hmm. ju- just to make sure we understand some of what's feeding that, France Toast, who is the team principal at Toro Rosso, has said and still says he hopes to retain Daniel for 2017. Well, it Now, just granted, the decision's not necessarily his, but, you know, he's got somebody at Toro Rosso, who is in his corner. Well, he does, and if he can pull his head together and stop self-destructing, he might actually be able to pull it off. Yeah. My question is, quite frankly, has he self-destructed to the point that that is an you, – you can't pull up on that stick any harder? You know, is that plane crashing? Is he in and, that death spiral? Yeah, is it just and, not moving? You know, what makes it that much harder for for Daniel and for Toro Rosso in general, as we've mentioned, this is an engine that isn't getting any upgrades. And I would bet that at this point, the team itself, knowing that they're getting the Renault engine back next year, they're focusing on that 2017 car at this point, and they've written off the rest of the season. So now this car is just going to get slower and slower and underperform more and more, and you've got Daniel trying to save his career at the same time that he's got a car that's going down in, in its own death spiral. Right. So, yeah, I don't know. So let's talk Williams. Okay. I got my hat. You got your hat. <laughs> but your hat's different than the hat on the ad that Felipe Massa is wearing for the ad for the Williams sale. Well, that's to be clear. My hat is... And the reason why it was on sale was because it was last year's hat. Oh, okay. So maybe this the hat that was on him was this year's hat. I believe so. Okay. So that that's why I, I got the hat for the price I did because it was on. Because let's face it, as we have said before, the pricing in the Formula One store for official merchandise is ridiculous. Well, yeah. And that's without even bringing in the exchange rates and everything else. The prices are absolutely ridiculous. Because, you know, Bernie's feeling is in order to be a fan, your bank account must be this big in order to apply. 
Well, yeah, and Bernie doesn't want those of us with our $100. Which, by the way, if you are interested in some Sergio Perez McLaren driver merchandise, you can get it at a great price over at the F1 store. Ouch. (laughs) (laughs) Especially, I believe it's the Sergio Perez iPhone 5 case. Yeah, that, that that one was one of my favorites. At some point, you just have to go, it's it's not moving, man. I'm sorry. It, it's just not happening. Those retailers, you know, they want to hold on to that product for as long as possible because, you know, they paid for it. Yeah. Anyway, back to Williams. Pat Simmons is talking about driver lineups for the future. Yes, he is. Well, not a, and, he, he's, give, he's dropping hints, I think, is the best way to put it. And let me take a wild guess here. Okay. He's looking for a Michael Schumacher. He didn't say that. (laughs) What he did say, though, is that he believes at this point, Williams is ready to bring back a star driver. Don't they think Massa or Valtteri is the star driver? Valtteri, no. And and I only say that not, not to knock the quality of Valtteri's driving. But Valtteri doesn't have a race win. Mm-hmm. He is a successful driver. He is a good driver, and I think he is definitely worth staying at Williams, if not moving up the field. But if you're Felipe Massa, I think at this point you're packing up your locker <laughs> because if that's what they're saying about you, you know, when when you missed winning the the drivers' championship by a point, and you were the two. winner, you were the winner when you crossed you were the leader. Well, yeah. They always say it very interestingly that for like three seconds or something, he was the world champion because Hamilton passed somebody in the last seconds of the race. And it was one of those situations where if he was one spot further back, he was not going Mm -hmm. to win. And then he passed somebody just as he was coming across the line or something to that effect. So in that regard, he was the world champion for one little brief moment. Yeah, but, you know, that's like turning around and saying that at the first race, Pascal Verlein was the world champion. No, it was that he had an equal shot at winning the world championship as everyone else. They were all at okay. the same point. Okay, that's like saying that coming out of China, Nico Rosberg was the 2016 world champion. How's that? Well, not... We're talking last. It's completely different. It was the last race of the season when Massa crossed the line. I know. Hamilton was in the wrong position for Massa to have lost the world championship. However, he the did. season wasn't over until the race was over. They thrown the checkered flag. That's the point. The but race the ra- was over. But it wasn't because all the drivers that could have impacted that final result of the season had not yet crossed the line. I understand and that. And because yes, of I understand that, that but he it was, was like, not world champion. He, he had his hand on the trophy. Yes. It was ripped brutally out of his hands. Counting your chickens before they've hatched. Probably. Yes. Anyway. But again, yes, it, he's it, still packing up his locker. If you're Felipe Massa, you're like, yeah, that's it. They're we're, they're not keeping me. They're they're looking elsewhere. But what do you have left for quote unquote star drivers? Let's think about that. Mm-hmm. 
Who's left? Button. In, well, I was going to say, in terms of drivers who have won a world championship, you're left with one. Yeah. Now, if Pat had turned around and he had said this in, say, mid-July, that could leave all kinds of stuff open. Right. But saying it now, okay, you've got Button. You've got the next closest prospect, I think, is Perez. And Perez has come out recently and said that his backers in Mexico are about to call time on his time at Force India. So that could be a possibility. The thing is, I'm not sure that that's what Williams is looking for. I don't know. Knowing what, and, and, and yeah, Perez does a lot of the PR stuff. He, he, he is out there. He's not quite as beloved a driver as Jensen is. But I think Jensen's image and the reputation that he has mm -hmm. is very much in line with Williams as a team. Yes. That under that underdog, everybody roots for him, even if they don't think he's actually going to win kind of a thing, and that nobody's really going to be that upset if they won. I think that that's Jensen as well. I think so. I think it's because Jensen's got such a lovable personality and he's not hard on the eyes. Okay. Do you know <laughs> do you know where Jensen spent his vacation? Um It was not Japan. No, it was not Japan. Um I'm guessing French Riviera. Napa Valley. Really? Yes. And he tweeted, no, Instagrammed, Instagrammed that picture of himself in Napa. Okay. <laughs> when that's my wallpaper, don't don't be upset. Well, you know, it's it the, the thing is that, you know, you've shown me that. And everybody else who is listening, who who, you know, managed to stay on past the camping at mid Ohio discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I don't understand what They're your going, problem is. Well, okay, I could imagine that he's sitting at uh, Carneros drinking a glass of wine, because whatever, you know. He's shirtless, let's just put it that way. <laughs> shirtless at Carneros drinking a glass of wine. No, he's not. He's about to take a swim, but he's shirtless. May maybe you will place that on the Facebook page or something so people can at least see what the heck you're talking about. But Perhaps. you probably won't because you never do. Perhaps. There's also a beautiful picture that was tweeted of um, Nico Rosberg working out, just in case anybody has an interest in shoulders. Okay. You're the one that pointed out the Lewis Hamilton workout picture. No, I only pointed that out because of uh, Daniel Ricardo's tweet in response to said picture. <laughs> Because he was giving Lewis a hard time for working out in designer jeans. He was a bit cheeky. Let's just say that. Anyway. I can just tell you that none of these people go to my gym. Probably not. That is a problem. We need to work on that. Okay, well, why don't you tell the owner, 
the owner of your gym that they should email any of those drivers and invite them since we know that Lewis was in town for the NBA finals. He was. And I bet he would have thoroughly enjoyed my gym. Anyway. Anyway, back. So um, Pat Simmons has previously said that Williams would prioritize spending on, on development of the car over trying to secure a superstar driver. However, he now believes that Williams is in a position to attract a big-name driver and give them a car worthy of their abilities. Nice. He said, in 2014, people were asking, why don't you go and get Fernando Alonso and things like that? And I said, no, we weren't ready as a team, and we weren't ready financially. As a team now, I would welcome any driver. We can produce the goods, but we're not a big-budget team. One of the skills of a team like ours is to allocate resources correctly, whether it's human resources or financial resources, and that includes the resource spent on drivers. So one would need a balance. But he believes that they are ready. He also says, and maybe this will make Felipe slow down his packing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, he says he's happy with the current lineup of Bodas and Felipe Massa, who have been teammates since 2014. He says, you know, continuity is an important thing, particularly when you're moving into a relatively new set of technical regulations. But you can't have the same drivers forever. Because we have two equally matched drivers, I hope we keep at least one of them, if not both. I'd be happy if we had both of them. Be being in racing for 40 years, I've had a lot of years where I have had one really good team driver and one not so good. I've had years where I've had two that were not so good. <laughs> I honestly think the last three years I've never had two drivers who have worked together so well and are such good team members. It's taken me a long while to get to that joyous place. And on that note, they're both out the door because they're, they're both, both great guys. guys. <laughs> I was just hearing that. <laughs> oh, I'm so sad to see Masa and Valtteri go away. Now, now that they've been given the kiss of death. Uh they work well together, and they're great guys. Oh, so sad. So I won't replay it because we've mocked it enough. Oh, no. But as you recall, Ron Dennis's pronouncement about the McLaren hunt, uh -huh. that they had the third best car on the grid, and that when the time came and Mercedes – was going to be beaten to the Constructors' Championship that it was going to be McLaren who was going to do it. Right. We, we I, I won't right. replay that. Well, Honda's chief, Yasuki Hasegawa, has made his own comments. Are they based in any more reality? Well, it turns out that Hasegawa-san is not nearly as delusional as Ron. Oh, good. Um... He admits that there is a huge gap to Renault, not even the rest of the field, but to Renault. Um, now, he says this is due to the surprising progress of the French manufacturer. They have been outright blown away by the improvements that the Renault engine has um, exhibited through the year and the improvements that it has come completely off guard. Um, he does say that they're aiming to achieve the level of the Mercedes engine for next year. However, he goes on to say, at this point, I don't know if that is possible, but that is our aim. Well, Which, that aim I think high is fair. And yeah. That is very different, too. We will be the ones that beat Mercedes. The other thing that he turned around and he said that, you know, with the engine 
regulations expected to remain stable until at least 2020. Mr. Hasegawa has suggested that F1 could achieve engine parity before the end of that period. He said to achieve everything the same level, still we need another two or three years. Whoa. Now, from what we know of the Mercedes program that has brought them great success, it was what, three years or four years of development before that engine was introduced. Mm -hmm. So they had a three or four year head start. Actually, if you think about it, five years. When when you, you think of the season that Honda wasn't in that we had already started with the new engines. So a five-year head start on Honda for them to catch up on. So based on this, we're talking five years. Yeah. So yeah, that could be realistic at that point, a five-year development program. Easily. Now, did you hear that Toto Wolf from Mercedes has come out and said that he believes that Ferrari has shifted their focus from to 2017 too soon? He did say that. Um, I don't think that's the issue, though. I mean, it's easy, it's easy for him to say such a thing. Oh, yeah. It's super easy for him to say such a thing. And right now, you got to think that some of his comments about the other teams are strictly being done for psychological purposes. Oh, well, there's that. But I think that his point is that Ferrari has fallen back even to Red Bull. And that Ferrari should be the team that's nipping at the heels of Mercedes. They started out like they were going to nip at the heels, and now they can't get close. Well, when you – I don't know about you, but my feeling is one of the biggest disappointments of this season has been Ferrari's performance. Yeah, As much as I'm not a Ferrari fan, I think that it was one of the, – the fact that they are where they are, and it seemed that – Oh, since about Barcelona, they've been sliding backwards and not forwards. I find to be extremely disappointing. I do too. And I'm not a big Ferrari fan, but I do kind of like Vettel. He's a nice enough guy, and I feel bad for him. Now you like Vettel because well, he's not winning. Yeah. <laughs> Let's be clear because you've had some, th some words about Sebastian in the past. Well, yeah. Not to the same level as Fernando, but... I have more words about Fernando, who, by the way, while I'm thinking of that one, he came out this past week and actually had the nerve to say that if he and Lewis were paired up as teammates again, they would be much better friends than they were in the 2007 season when, you know, he had to get booted from McLaren. Yeah, I saw that. Now, some of his justi justification may be the, yeah, I know. <laughs> Some of his justification may be the fact that um, he's been now at McLaren for 18 months and is willing to stay there for another year. And that is longer than his first stint at McLaren. <laughs> and McLaren is performing a whole lot worse than back then. Well, there's that. Again, if he was to leave, where where is he going to go at this point? Well, that's the biggest problem that Fernando has got. Is he's boxed himself into a corner. Yeah. But the other piece of that is, in my thought, of his justification was back in 20, uh, 2007, Lewis was an upstart kid with mm -hmm. a big attitude. A big attitude, and Fernando wanted to be the number one driver, and yeah. 
And Lewis was knocking that chip off of his shoulder every chance he got. And now Lewis has more world championships than Fernando does by one. And um, so Fernando would have to suck it up a little bit and have to be willing to suck it up a little bit. Yeah. But anyway, that just was like, yeah, but there's no chance you're going to Mercedes. So, and Lewis isn't coming back to McLaren. Yeah, I don't see that happening ever at this point. No. No. And Jensen is keeping Fernando on his toes. Mm Mm-hmm. We'll just say that. But I think Jensen's likable personality is not as abrasive as Lewis's is. Yeah. So he can push at Fernando in a different way than Lewis pushed at Fernando. And those two got in it. And it was bad. I mean, there was a lot of talk about how bad. bad it was. But anyway, I'm not sure where we went down that slippery slope, but I'm sure I took us there. But Well, the the last story i have and and admittedly this is a bit wonky this is super technical here oh no right now when it comes to development work and and how the restrictions are for cost savings and whatever we we already know there are limited testing days there's also a limited amount of time that a team can spend in a wind tunnel doing wind tunnel testing and there is also a limited amount of time that a team can spend doing development work using CFD or computational fluid dynamics. Right. Basically computer-aided design simulation and simulation. So they have to balance their CFD processing time against the wind tunnel time. Well, Force India is now has put forward a proposal to the FIA and to the strategy group to come up with an alternate equation. Okay. Allowing for teams to do 100% of their development work through computational fluid dynamics. Now, this is something that when Virgin started, Virgin Racing, which was Manor before it became Manor, they were originally launched with that idea that they would be 100% CFD designed, and they thought that this was the way to go, it was cheaper, and the tech wasn't there. Mm-hmm. Force India is saying that we have made tremendous strides in the technology. We have made tremendous strides in the the formulas and all of that stuff. And now we think it is time to revisit this idea. So what they are looking to do is basically to give teams the option of if they wanted to forego the wind tunnel testing, which is extremely important to a team like Force India and Haas and Manor because they don't own their own wind tunnel so they have to rent somebody else's so if a team wanted to forego renting a wind tunnel and trying to book time in a wind tunnel and go 100 percent cfd design there is a formula that they can use to achieve developmental parity to those teams who are who are doing either a mix of the two or sole wind tunnel testing wow so it is apparently made it past the um, strategy group and has moved up to the the sporting group. Interesting. So we'll see where that goes. I don't know when they're calling for that to happen, though. My guess is that, you know, they want that to be at least 2017 or actually probably 2018 at this point because if it's for 2017, they've got to do a unanimous approval. Right. I had read recently, and I'm sure my 
memory of it, it's pretty sketchy, is that one of the things that has pushed Red Bull forward was they have moved to a different sort of testing program that roughly equivalent, it made it sound like it was like a dyno inside of a, a wind tunnel so that they could mm. simulate not just the way the wind was moving across the car, but how it was moving within that. It mm. was, it. I don't fully understand it, but it was a different kind of a twist on the tunnel concept but that they had moved to that and there was another team that was looking down that path. Interesting. So yeah, that's all we got this week. It's still a lot. It's a lot of gossip. It's a lot of... But gossip is what we like. Yeah. It's... And the duh moments. Yeah, well. But guess what? In five days, there will actually be news again. There will be some. I think the ramp up to to the news is going to be kind of slow, and honestly, I don't think that we're going to get anything real and substantial until after Spa. I don't think anybody's going to make any more driver announcements the week before Spa or in, in the lead up to Spa. Um, I suspect it's going to be around Monza and as we pick up to go to Singapore. Monza. I forgot to tell you. Okay. Mercedes is talking about when Lewis Hamilton's got to take this engine penalty. Ah, yes, you wanted to mention that. You didn't see, you didn't have it in the notes. I didn't have it in the notes, and so I forget. So, Monza, thank you for reminding me. <laughs> Monza, that's when they want to do it. <laughs> um, the and idea, why Monza? The idea is that it's a higher speed course, and they predict that he would be able to pass better at the Italian Grand Prix than at Spa. Well, Monza is known for, for being a track that allows for some passing. Spa, well, depending on who you are is how well you're going to pass. Exactly. So, and we also know that, you know, Nico Rosberg has issues with staying on the track at Spa, so. Well, you know, th this could be a very interesting, interesting year at Spa. Um, between where the driver's race now sits and... Nico's mindset coming out of the summer break mm -hmm. because he's got to come up with something here. Is he going to be driving a whole lot harder? Is he going to be pushing a whole lot harder? But then again, there's some history here at Spa with the two of them. And how is that going to shake out? Well, the history is definitely growing. But do keep in mind, Daddy Toto and Daddy Lauda are not going to take much. <laughs> And when it comes down to it, I think Nikki would pull both of them into an office by their ears and sit down and say, you take the a teammate's car out and I will personally hurt you. Well, you know, I suspect that there is going to be some reminders, and there probably have been some ongoing reminders as to the expectations regarding rules of engagement and all of those various bits and pieces to keep them off of each other yeah take verstappen out don't take your teammate out <laughs> yeah something like that but uh you know right. we may see one of these moments we go on to the final lap and rosberg's gonna try and get past his teammate down into turn two round the outside this is where we saw ricardo but no hamilton squeezes him out he says you're not coming through on this last lap a little racing driver slapped to the face there from Hamilton once again on Rosberg. 
Now, admittedly, that was Bahrain a few years ago, but still, oh, it was a great moment. That was a great race. We have not had a Bahrain race as good as that Bahrain race was. What was we it? Two had years? a general race as good as that. I mean, we've had some good ones. We've had some really good ones, but that ended up on the edge of your seat. From start to finish. Yeah. And they were trading places the whole way through that race. It was awesome. Okay. Well, on that note, and looking forward to Spa. I think we'll uh, call it a show. Um, like us on Facebook. Yeah. Leave us a note. Tell us how awesome we are. Tell Michael to remember his words. Just a phonetication. <laughs> yeah, whatever. And on that note, we'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.